All right, good morning. Joy wins! Hallelujah. And uh, there's a verse in the Bible where it says, For the joy set before him, Jesus um, endured the cross, despising the shame. And it actually describes what that joy is. It says that the joy was bringing many sons and daughters to glory. And so the, what enabled Jesus to endure the pain, the suffering of the cross, not only the physical uh, pain of, of being beaten and tortured and crucified, but also the, the emotional pain of being abandoned by his disciples and the spiritual anguish of being separated by, from his father by the guilt and shame and penalty of all of our sins put upon him. What, that, what he was seeing was you. The bringing many sons and daughters into glory. And what is the glory? It's, it's into relationship with him and the Father for eternity. That's what motivated Jesus to go through the suffering of the cross. And, and so the idea that joy is what joy wins is that in the end, joy conquers all things. And we will experience the same. And so we're just delving into this idea of, of joy and taking the month of uh, January to, to consider what joy is. And I talked about joy being relational uh, last week, and we're going to review some of that this morning. But the, I want to introduce this other idea that joy has two sisters, uh, Grace and Shalom. And, um, and I, I think the image of, of siblings is good because we're, uh, many of us, if you, if you have a sibling or two, I have four siblings. And uh, if you've been around here long enough, if you've been around me, you've probably heard me laugh. So have you heard me laugh? I have kind of a distinctive laugh, especially if you really get me rolling. <laughs> and, uh, but if you ask my wife or my kids, They'll say, you've never really heard Cameron laugh unless he's around his siblings. Because when we get together, it is uproarious. You know, it is, we really, we just know, we know how to make each other laugh. And uh, we really enjoy telling stories. It's good that we only see one another once every four or five years. <laughs> but when we do, it's always a time of celebration. So this idea that of siblings, that we have a lot in common, but you know what? Each one of us is very different as well. And so there's shared attributes, but there's differences, and together we make a family. Same idea here that joy, grace, and shalom, which is a Hebrew word for peace, are in the same way. They, they're, they're relate, they relate together. So joy review. Joy is relational. This is from the book Joy Starts Here by Dr. Wilder. Uh, joy starts here. <clears throat> joy means someone is glad uh, to be with me. So it, it's actually being in the presence of someone that's happy to be with you. Not that just that you're happy to be with them. But you know that they're happy to be with you, and it makes all the difference. The signature of real joy is the sparkle in someone's eye when they see us that makes their face light up. And when we see that, it, causes, uh, it actually causes the chemistry to happen in our brains and hormones to be released in our body that we experience a joyful presence or a joyful experience. Joy is children. 
jumping up and down when their dad or mom comes home or when they see their grandmother or grandfather. Joy is a woman running to her husband, uh, returning from war. Joy is children playing, tumbling, and giggling together. Joy is a smile that we cannot uh, help uh, but to share. And so this idea of joy as being this relational experience that is, um, uh, 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 you know, it's really it's high energy. Uh, and, and they've said to this that when you're in that state of joy, it is very high energy activity for your brain. So your brain is burning. You know your brain b- burns more calories than the, any other uh, muscle in your body? And so um, this is when you're studying hard, you're actually burning calories. So instead of exercise, read a book. No. <laughs> joy is that high, state, high energy state of the brain. Um, joy is the excitement when good things are shared in relationship. Again, we can have pleasure uh, individually or pleasure uh, in things or uh, experiences, but joy is when they're shared in a relationship with someone that likes us. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing, but have you ever been in the situation where, you know, your face gets sore because you've been smiling too much? Yeah. Or like you've been laughing so hard, you're just like, I, I just need to take a break. You know, this happens when I'm with my siblings. Like, well, I'll leave the room for a few minutes because, okay, let's just calm down. And this is, this is kind of what we're exploring today in the idea that uh, joy is great, but it's not everything. You know, joy is something we're promised, but it's a mistake if we think we are meant to live in a constant state of joy. And the reason that's important is because if that's your expectation, you're going to be disappointed. Because life isn't a constant state of joy. And it's not meant to be. Right? And when the sorrows and the realities of life hit you, you're not going to be experiencing that high energy state. But that's actually good. And it's, it's how we're created, and it's part of the whole package. So the first sibling we're going to talk about is grace. I like to think that grace is the oldest, um, because we need grace. Uh, grace, uh, we just took all last year to explore grace and truth. I didn't know this when we, had dis- when we decided to take a month and explore gra- uh, joy this j- in January when we set up the preaching calendar. But I found out that joy in Greek is that, and grace are both from the same, are forms of the same word. Joy in Greek is kara, and grace is charis. And so even in the language, they're related, all right? Uh, Kara. And uh, we know from a very familiar verse in truth in Scripture that uh, by grace we have been saved through faith, and that's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. Grace is that unmerited favor that produces salvation. So grace has the power to change us. Okay? It changes you from a destiny of separation from God and eternity in hell. Grace has the power to transform you to a destiny of being with God forever and with him in his presence in heaven. All right? It has the power to change you from a lifestyle of sin, of brokenness and shame, and give you a lifestyle of freedom, of righteousness, and health and hope. Okay, It has power. 
And grace can actually uh, be uh, translated delight. It's the delight that God has for us that actually has power to bring transformation. <clears throat> Joy is the response. So when we see the delight that God has for us, when we see that when he looks at us, his eyes light up, uh, if we're able to see that, then it can produce a spark of joy in us. It's the leap that uh, John the Baptist, uh, as an infant, as an embryo, really, as a, in utero, uh, in, in his mother, Elizabeth, when uh, Mary, pregnant with Jesus, approached, John the Baptist leapt. And so it's that response of, oh, I can feel. Uh, and so uh, it, 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 grace produces joy, and there's an interaction between the two. Grace is all about God's acceptance of us, and that never changes, okay? You can be joyful or you can not be joyful, but grace doesn't change because grace is an attribute of God. <laughs> Got it? It says, having this is from Ephesians earlier in the same uh, book that the other verse we just read is. It says, having chosen, God chose us. He made a choice. He picked you. Say, he picked me. <sighs> You're his favorite. Because he's big enough to have as many favorites that choose to receive his favor. He's got enough favor to make you his favorite. Having chosen us to, a, not, not, just, not just that he likes you, he wants you to be part of his family. So he chooses us to be adopted by Jesus Christ to, him, to himself according to the good pleasure. This makes God happy. Wow. We, you, I have the ability to affect God's emotions. How? By accepting his, his favor. By saying, thanks, I received that. I believe it. According to his good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, his grace by which he made us, or you and I, accepted. And so this is, grace is about God's acceptance, never changes, rock solid. Um, joy is when you respond to that or react to that when you experience it. Now, sometimes we can live, we can, there's like windows opened where you experience it. And I don't know if it was like this for you. It's like this for most people. If, um, if you've had a, like I uh, had a pretty dramatic salvation experience uh, as a child. I was, went to a Christian school and uh, we went to church, but it was kind of like a separate thing. And then in high school and college, I was, I was not a Christian. Like I had... I was other things, <laughs> pursuing other things, and then had a powerful encounter. And boy, that first year was just, it was all joy. Yeah. Because everything changed, everything in my life. You know, that I, all of a sudden I realized, wow, the intensity of it. But I, when, when, I, when I lead someone's Lord or new Christians, I, I try to explain to them, that's great. It's great that you, that you feel this way, but... You know, you may not always feel this way. Sometimes that initial uh, 
excitement and pleasure that you feel when you first uh, uh, come into relationship with Jesus, that wanes, it fades. Um, and when that happens, often people think, well, maybe it wasn't real. Maybe it wasn't true. Or maybe I'm not good enough. And, and all of those things are lies. All right? It's just the fact that um, it's not constant, and it's not meant to be constant. Grace is the constant. Grace is what doesn't change. But times of joy are actually meant to be followed by times of peace or shalom, all right? Because joy is high intensity. Uh, and then we find out uh, shalom or peace is a lower energy state. This is a quote from the book. Joy is high energy. Joy's sister, shalom, is quiet, low energy. So she's the quiet one of the family, you know? She's the one you want to be around when you're upset because she balances you out or disappointed. <clears throat> and God's wired the brain that every experience of joy calls for a time of rest to follow. And just think of that in the natural. You know, if you're in the sports and you're watching a great game and you're really excited, you know, you just can't do that for day in and day out forever, you know, eventually you got to put, turn the TV off and go take a nap, you know. <laughs> there's, there needs to be times of excitement followed by times, and because of it, if you don't have that, then the excitement isn't even really excitement. It's just the natural state, but it's also how our brains are wired, that if we don't have the time of rest and, and peace in between, we it actually can cause mental problems and, and, and other problems other dysfunction in our lives. Shalom is not merely the absence of conflict. The, the Hebrew word shalom, which is most often translated peace, we think of peace is the absence of conflict. But the biblical idea of peace is much more than that. It's actually, more accurately, an inward sense of completeness or wholeness. It's, it's actually communicates the idea of abundance, that you have, you have riches, maybe not in the natural, but in emotionally, in your spirit, you, you're in a place of contentment, and you know that everything's okay, going to be okay. There's this sense within, shalom, peace, that that's where we live, and it's accentuated uh, through moments of joy, but it's that... Uh, peace that enables us to endure. Grace produces times of joy, and that's good, but it also enables us to live with shalom, peace, regardless of our circumstances. Uh, uh, when things aren't going well, or the times in life when we feel like we, we don't see God, we're disconnected. And many Christians, and it's actually normal, and I think it's actually intended by God, um, there are benefits to being faithful during times when you don't feel like you are close to God. Read the Psalms. A third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. They're Psalms of crying out, Oh God, oh God, where are you? How long do I have to wait till you come? A third of the Psalms. Uh, and that's because that's a big part of our life 
is being faithful during the times when we don't know, feel his presence. But understanding faith that God's grace, his delight in us, his feelings toward us, never changes. Produces peace to en enable us to endure those t circumstances. Here's a little excerpt from the story, the life of Paul, the apostle, from the book of Acts. Now this is as he's returning to Jerusalem because he felt compelled by the, uh, the Holy Spirit in his prayer time. We don't really know how he felt this way, but he felt like he was supposed to return to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration, <clears throat> and he was determined to do this. And this was after uh, one of his missionary trips, and in every city that he would go to, people would pray for them, and the prophets would go, uh, I see, um, you know, uh, tribulation, your hands are going to be tied. One, in one city, a uh, uh, prophet took off his belt and actually tied Paul up and said, if you go to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. And everybody in the room said, don't go, Paul, don't. So it's a great little lesson on hearing God's voice and prophetic words. <clears throat> the prophecy was accurate. Their response to it was, in, was wrong because they were all saying, don't go, don't go. But Paul said, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit testified in every city saying that chains and tribulation await me. This is God was promising him what's, what's to come. Do you think that made him joyful? No. You're going to get beat up and imprisoned. Ugh. But none of these things moved me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And I believe that that settled determination to do what he knew God had called him to gave Paul the peace to face those tribulations. And actually, when he could have avoided it, he walked right into them, and he did, and he was arrested, and he was tortured, and he went through many years of tribulation and imprisonment as a direct result of doing it, but that was God's call on his life, and he was able to face those times uh, because he had the peace, and that enabled him to finish with joy. <gasps> you know, don't skip over a word or two in Scripture because sometimes they're the big key. He was looking at the end. Just like Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endeared the cross. So between where you are and the joy that God wants you to experience, there may be. Actually, there is going to be, folks. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to be honest with you. Is that okay? I know I'm a preacher, but I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Truthfully. <laughs> I used to be a salesman, and... We were told, never say, well, actually. <laughs> you're not supposed to say that because that means when you're, the rest of the time you're not actually telling the truth. <laughs> but listen, you know, we try to make things all sound great. But you know what? A lot of life is, is tribulation. But there's joy at the end line. And Paul did this because he, he wanted to finish with joy. And it, that was a testimony of the gospel that he preached was the message of grace. The message of grace enabled him to have peace to endure the tribulation so that he could finish with joy. And that's what we're all called to as well. <clears throat> so a few things to just explain what joy isn't, what joy is not. Joy is not an obligation, 
okay? It can't be. And there's an acronym that some people have used, and maybe you've seen this in the past and, and read this in a book. Uh, but this is, this is not joy, <laughs> all right? Jesus first. The, the letters work. It's a good acronym. <laughs> Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And there's some truth in that, but that truth is a more a definition of service or a life of sacrifice. But that's not joyful, okay? I mean, I, uh, John or not, some of you know who he is, pretty famous guy. I know him quite well. <clears throat> and he uh, uh, often will say, you know, people always get upset about and always say that it's not about you. He says, no, wait just a minute. It is about you. You know, Jesus came from heaven for you. Jesus didn't have to come and die on the cross. He didn't need us. He came for us so you could enjoy heaven. So in a very real sense, the whole Bible is a story about uh, our redemption. It's all about you in that sense. Now, it's true that uh, that brings us to the place where, where we are to live like Christ and, and serve and be a sacrifice for others. That's true. But that has to flow from the fact that it's because he loves me so much. And if I was the only one, we say this when we're preaching the gospel, but sometimes we forget it about when we're talking to ourselves. If you were the only one that accepted Jesus' invitation, he would have come and died on the cross for you. So in that sense, it is about you. So this is a good explanation of service and sacrifice, but it's not about joy. <clears throat> Obligation and service without a source of empowering joy just leads to burnout. You know, if you can't look to God and, and feel his delight in you that makes you ah, full of joy, that, and you just keep serving and sacrificing, pretty soon you're going to get burned out. It's grace, not joy, that empowers us to sacrifice, and grace does empower. Um, <clears throat> joy also is not a choice or an act of faith. It's not something you can just choose. And sometimes, uh, you know, we get condemned by this. Why can't I choose joy? Well, because you can't choose your joy. All right? Uh, this is a quote from the book. Joy itself is never a choice. Joy is a response placed in us. So it's just that response that happens when we're around people like us or we can see God and experience his joy in us, it, uh, it can be killed or grown through choices we make. So choice has a part of it. If you make the right choices, if you respond correctly, you can increase it or you can kill it. Um, and he goes on, but when John the Baptist jumped for joy in his mother's womb uh, at the approach of Jesus, it wasn't some choice that... That, that uh, little baby inside Elizabeth's womb, it didn't say, oh, Jesus is coming. It didn't even know. It just felt the, it felt the presence of the Messiah. It felt God's, in a, and it caused a response. And that's the idea that we're talking about. This, this type of joy that we're talking about is relational. It's found in God's presence. It's not a choice. It's a response that we experience. A shalom peace, the peace that comes through faith in God, having a relationship uh, of knowing and believing him, that brings us to the place where we know we're safe regardless of our circumstances. That's a different, that's, that's not joy, that's her sister 
peace. And that is something we can live in. And that produces faith, relationship with God, through a believing that Jesus' death on the cross paid the price, that we, we are accepted in the beloved. That then produces peace that enables us to persevere through whatever tribulations or t- desert time, times in the wilderness that we happen to be in or maybe in. But God doesn't, in, in the midst of that, even in the midst of that, joy is available, right? Uh, and you need to believe that. And that's one of the decisions. You may not be experiencing it, but ultimately, if you're able to connect with God, there's, there's an abundance of joy that is uh, never-ending. And there are, there are things that we can do that will create or grow joy. And so I, I want you to try to figure out ways where you can do some of these behaviors, and there's others, but these are some uh, ways that you can actually create or increase joy in your life. <clears throat> One is to amplify joy, even if it's small, over whatever problems you may be having. And the idea here is, um, you know, it's easy to have joy when, when life is going great or, you know, uh, there's a new baby born or, you know, you get a big promotion or something great happens and experience joy. But other times in life, it's hard to find joy when everything's falling apart. But you know what? If you find even a little crumb, celebrate that crumb. If you find a package of cookies in the cupboard and you open it and there's only one cookie left, you can say, who ate all the cookies? They never think about me. Or you can say, ah, there's one cookie. Actually, last night I found, I was in the freezer. I was like, what is that? I think it must have been Lewis's. <laughs> there was a package. I, went, I pulled it out, and there was a mint chocolate cookie in there. I'm not supposed to eat those things, but I ate it. <laughs> if you find a little bit of joy in a relationship, How do you magnify something? You talk about it and you think about it. Whatever you think about, whatever you, especially whatever you talk about, you increase that in your life. And so if all you think about and all you talk about is the pain and the problems in your life, you're going to get more of that. Now, it doesn't mean you deny those or don't deal with them, but you choose to turn up even just a little bit, you know, it's a little bit, and you celebrate that. You get more of what you celebrate. Oops, wrong button. Um, <clears throat> promote play and join in the uh, joy. So children don't need to be taught how to play, right? Uh, very, very poor children. I go to Mexico often, and there's, there's absolute destitute poverty. But the kids will find something to play with. In the street. I mean, it's just junk. I mean, it's literally, it's like junk, junk. It's like dangerous. But they'll be playing with it. Um, and as we grow up, we get serious. And we, we uh, you know, we think we've got to solve all the problems. And you're aware of all the problems. But you know what? Inside, you're still a, a little kid who's just got big. And you need to play. You need to find ways to play. And create space in your relationships where there can be some fun. 
And don't be so serious. Don't take yourself so seriously. Seriously. Lighten up, all right? <laughs> and then join in, in it and find ways that you can be yourself and be playful. Create a high, this is a huge one, create a high capacity for mercy, recognizing that weakness and failures are growth opportunity. This applies in every context of your life. It applies to your relationship with yourself, relationship with your spouse, your children, your your immediate family, your uh, extended family, relationships at work, relationships at church. People are going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to do bad things. Uh, they're going to do bad things. And your ability to increase or kill joy is directly uh, uh, connected to your ability to have your capacity for mercy. And recognizing that your mistakes as well as others' mistakes are opportunities for growth. All right? Boy, how many times am I going to make this same stupid mistake? Okay, confess it, repent of it, receive forgiveness, and say, thank you, God, that you don't reject me when I do it again. And that your mercies are new. What's it? Every morning you wake up, it's new if you just turn to him. So as we have a greater capacity for people's failures and we don't cut them off from our relationship just because they make a mistake or we don't cut ourselves off from relationship because you've made a mistake, your, your capacity for mercy includes, and that means your capacity for joy will increase. That's a good word right there. <clears throat> Encourage rest. Ah, you can't live at joy all the time. You need times of rest. You need times where things are, are not exciting. And that's okay. And you don't get discouraged by those times. You say, oh, this is the time where it's like, so sometimes around here we'll just be frantic trying to get things ready. You know, uh, the staff here, just busy, busy, busy. There's tons of things going on. And there's other times where people come to me and it's like, you know what, I don't have much to do. Like everything's caught up. And I'm like, enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy it while it lasts, because in a few weeks or a few months, you're going to be so busy, you never think you'll never get to it. All right? So encourage rest. Work that into your relationships. Time to be with others where it's just time to chill. And always keep problems smaller than the relationship. If you have a relationship, you're going to have a problem. All right? They're either going to bring it or you're going to bring it. But someone's going to bring it. And people who don't have capacity for mercy end up not having any relationships because relationship equals problems, all right? But if you keep the relationship more important than the problem, you'll have the capacity to get past the problem and have joy. Very, very important. Find ways to celebrate others based on grace, that unmerited delight, apart from what they do. All right? Thank you. <laughs> it's good to affirm people's good behavior. But if someone is only hears affection or um, um, affirmation based on doing good or looking good or behaving, then it gets them into the place where if they don't do good, look good, or behave, they are not, they have no worth. 
And so you need to communicate to others, and you need to receive the fact that you are worthy, you are worth, God loves you, and you can love others regardless of their behavior. You know? So, so, so I, just like, I just love being around you. Why? Because you're you, you know? Uh, you know, every time I see you, I just get, I'm glad. You know, things like that. Ways to affirm people uh, without linking it to a reward for behavior. Now, it's good to reward behavior, uh, but it's, it's important that we uh, communicate uh, um, appreciation and celebrate others apart from behavior as well. And then uh, f- learn how to focus on God's joy. Remember, it's the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not our joy that that we get from God that's our strength. It's actually his joy that we enter into that enables us to have strength. So, you know what? God never runs out of joy. He knows all of the problems in the whole world. Hell and destruction are always before the face of God. How much more the souls of men is a a verse in in the Bible. In other words, he sees it all, but you know what? He's joyful. He never runs out of joy. In his presence is fullness of, and, who knows the rest of the verse. In his presence is fullness of joy, and, and his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Sounds like a happy place to be. All right? So focus on him even when. You may not be feeling it or experiencing it. And that is the way to enter in to the joy of the Lord. Bill, could you come and close the service? Give Bill a hand.